Are you ready to study the scripture? Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I'm just going to share with you for a few moments about the idea of worshiping God. I'm going to share with you the idea of what worship is. I want to challenge you not to think about worship as an event, but as a lifestyle. I don't want, to, I don't want you to think about worship as um, something where you get God to come and give you a nice worship buzz. <laughs> I, want, I don't want you to think about worship as um, just singing songs. I don't want you to think about worship just as one of these things that you sort of enter into when other people are singing. Worship is not about music. It's about something so much greater than that. But I want to challenge you to think about worship as a great pouring out. I want you to think about worship as a great pouring out of your life. That God wants to fill you up with himself. But sometimes the problem is we don't empty ourselves. Worship is about surrender. Worship is about honoring God with everything in our lives and being willing to let him take over. Worship is about taking every failure and every mistake and bringing it to the foot of the cross and trusting Jesus to heal it. Worship is about taking every doubt, every fear that you've got and bringing it to the table of the Lord and remembering that Christ went through death, fear, brokenness so that you could be healed. Worship is not so much, hey, hey, worship is not so much a, a, a taking in until it's a pouring out. And so Luke chapter 7 is this, the scene of an incredible story in the Bible, and I want to read it to you. Luke chapter 7, verse 36, it says, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now you gotta see this, who were the Pharisees? They were religious people, they were, very, they were experts in the law. They weren't all bad people, but many of them were stuck in an idea, and that idea was, is that if they could live life perfectly, if they could do everything perfectly, then God would like them. And of course, that's not the gospel message, is it? You can't be good enough. You can't do all the right things. You have, we, we all have these failures and these mistakes in our lives, and we need someone to rescue us from them. We need someone to take on all the offenses that these sins and these mistakes and these failures bring us, and his name is Jesus. But the Pharisee is an expert in the law, and he invites Jesus to his house. And so Jesus had a huge following at this moment in his ministry, and so people are everywhere, and, and, and the Pharisee is really interested in having Jesus, and they, so they recline at the table. Look at what happens. Verse 37, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. Everybody say perfume. It was perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. Now, if you take your holy glasses off for a second, because you've read this, if you've read it over and over again, if you've ever heard this story before, 
take off just, you know, reading it through the scripture. Let's, let's peer into the scene. People are everywhere, probably servants, all kinds of people. Disciples have probably come with Jesus, and they're all reclining at the table. When the passage says that she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, he wasn't standing there and eating. He was reclining. So Jesus was reclining at the table. He was hanging out, and there was this, all this buffet and grapes and dates and, and hummus and tabbouleh. And, and they're reclining, and, and, and there's, there's people kind of coming in and out, and the Pharisee probably had a bunch of his people there, and so they're having a great time together talking about, you know, the donkey crash in the square the day before or something, or, you know, I don't know what they were talking about, but dinner is going along at a leisurely pace, and suddenly some woman shows up. The Bible says a woman who had lived a sinful life, everybody knew it. She shows up and she, she, she gets down at Jesus' feet and she starts crying. <laughs> she starts crying. We're, have, we're trying to have dinner here, people. The Pharisee wants this to be a nice dinner. He's got Jesus there after all. She starts crying, but the Bible says that she started to wet his feet with her tears. Hey, hey, how many tears does it take to wet feet? <laughs> a lot. So she's not just weeping. She's like, <laughs> can you imagine? I mean, it's just so awkward. Have you ever, when was the last time you had that at your dinner table? Don't answer that. Never mind. <laughs> I think it was yesterday for us. It just wasn't a sinful woman. So, so you're, you're having this crying at the table and you're trying, to, you're trying to have dinner and the Pharisee's kind of doing his thing. And can you imagine what he was thinking? This is ruining everything. Can you imagine what was going through his mind? You don't have to. It's written right here. It's verse 39. Look what he says. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to who? Who did he say it to? He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So he's thinking to himself, this woman, well, first of all, he's thinking, Jesus, he's a fake. He doesn't get it. This is so inappropriate. This is so wrong on so many levels. This woman is, okay, get this, get this. She's not only crying at his feet, but she's touching his feet with her hair. She's wiping it. Now, we know from the story later that Jesus didn't get his feet washed when he came in the door. That's typically customary in those times to have a servant wash your feet because it's road is dusty and, and dirty and you're walking in, you get all cleaned up. Didn't happen here. So Jesus' feet are dirty. They're dusty. So she's got tears. And what happens when you mix water and dirt? She's got mud in her hair. She's got mud all over her hair and she's crying. <laughs> she's wiping her hair. And then she's kissing his feet. <laughs> People, this is awkward. This is not dinner table manners. Something's wrong here. And the Pharisee is thinking to himself, Jesus doesn't even know that this woman is an awful woman. Why is he letting her do this? This is terrible. He's a fake. He's a fraud. 
He's thinking this to himself when suddenly Jesus answered him. Verse 4, he says. <laughs> I love how Jesus answers the guy's thoughts. Hey, it's often that religious people think that displays of worship are inappropriate. Displays of worship, of pouring out, people pouring out their hearts. We can never be the kind of church where we don't allow people to do that. Look what he says, verse 40. Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had their, the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Okay, you get the story. One guy has a lot of money. One guy has little money. They both owe it. They both have debt, and the master forgives them both. Jesus is quizzing the Pharisee. He's the expert in the law, and you could almost hear his attitude. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. <laughs> you have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, and you can feel the room grow tense. The disciples have seen this before. They can hear the tone of voice that Jesus is using, and they know he's about to bring it. He looks at, he, he turned toward the woman and he looks at Simon and he says, do you see this woman? He says, I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Those words hang out there. The story is not about the woman. As wonderful as it is, as, as, as humble and as genuine and authentic as it is, as her pouring out all of her failures, all of her tears, she's found something in Jesus. She recognizes it. It's pure love. She'd never seen that before. Pure love. And here, Jesus is talking to Simon, but he's not talking about the woman. He's talking about Simon. Simon. The man who thinks that by his own good behavior, he can get God's approval. The man who is distant towards Jesus in every way, doesn't greet him, doesn't take care of him, doesn't offer anything to him. The man who is not open in his heart, but is thinking about protocol and appropriateness. The, the man who thinks that if he could just obey everything that he could get God to like him or love him. We fall into this. We fall into this so easily. We, we start thinking that the gospel message is really about um, sort of living our lives in some perfect way. That somehow we, we can't afford to make any mistakes or have any failures in our lives. Listen, the gospel message is about you not being able to be perfect, not to be able to earn God's love or his grace. It's impossible to do that. What you have to do is plunge into him. You have to pour yourself out to him. You have to be willing to surrender. Everybody say the word surrender. Surrender. You surrender everything. Not only, not only your failures, 
but your successes as well. Your agenda. Everything that you have. Worship is a pouring out. And if we don't pour ourselves out to God, it's hard for him to pour himself in. Because we're not emptying ourselves of ourselves. This is what worship is. It's really about honoring Jesus above everything else. It's really about honoring him. And I, listen, I'm not just talking about when we come in here and, and the band plays and we're singing and all that. I, I, I understand we kind of focus on that. But let me just pause here and say that Jesus knows the way you're wired. God knows the way you are wired as a person. He made you. He created you. In fact, he created all creation. And if you think about what the Bible says in Luke 19, we won't turn there, but just listen. Luke 19, Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem, and he's on a donkey. A week later, they're going to put him up on a cross, but right now, people are celebrating him, and he's coming into the, the city, and they're singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And do you know what's happening? The Pharisees are crying. They're crying. <laughs> Because they're saying, Jesus, you need to rebuke your disciples. This is totally inappropriate. There it is again. This is not right. They shouldn't be saying that to you. Jesus turns to them and he says, if you remember it, if they don't cry out, then the very rocks will open up and cry out in praise to God. That's what that says. All right, you know what that does? That's a secret. That's like a little peek into the way creation is wired. Creation was wired to, to, to break open and worship to God. The, the scriptures say that the heavens declare God's handiwork. They declare his glory. You're wired that way too. You're wired that way too. You are wired to bring worship to God, to bring honor and glory to God. And I want to challenge you to pour yourself out. Now, some people have trouble pouring themselves out emotionally, spiritually, spiritually. Some people, they don't, know, they don't know how to act in a worship service, and they, and they don't know how to talk to God this way. It's, it's very awkward. But let me tell you that he, since he knows how you're wired, he has designed you to respond to him with everything you have, not just intellectually, not just spiritually, not just physically, not just in your emotions. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Do you remember this? What's the greatest commandment? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is there anything not covered there? It's pretty much everything. And then he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. You're wired in such a way that if you will open up your voice, if you will raise your hand, I don't know, maybe some of you are too embarrassed to engage in that kind of... Did you know that the Bible says, Paul said it to Timothy, he says, he says I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That's what, that's what the Bible says, all right? You, you look all the way through Psalms and you see it. There, there's all kinds of expressions of worship. And what the design is, the design is for pouring out, giving him everything. Hey, I mean, let's, let's be real. When you saw all those kids up here, the, it's, it's so amazing to watch their innocence, isn't it? And, and they're just, they're just there. There was a cute little girl, uh, Craig and Christian's little girl, Hannah, and she was just sitting there. She was like, I don't know about this. But you could see all these kids up here, and they were just dancing, just loving 
Somehow as we grow up, we don't do that anymore. Somehow we grow up and we, life gets more difficult and we think that, hmm, that won't solve anything. Hmm, why do, I, why do I need to act silly like that? Oh, maybe because your pride says that you're the only one who can fix it instead of Jesus can fix your problem. Maybe because you come to him and stand in a worship service and just agonize and think about all the problems and the issues and the struggle that you're, you're having and, and, and you, you don't want to pour anything out. You're just frustrated. You just want God to do it. You just want God to fix it. He can't pour it in because you're not poured out. Now, I'm not just talking about... I'm not just talking about being joyful and, you know, going nuts when things are so awful. Look, if you turn over to Psalm chapter 42, just go over there. This will be the last place we look. Psalm 42, I want you to see what it says. Psalm 42 and verse 5. Well, let's start in verse 3. Look at this. This says, my tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? Hey, did you ever feel like that? I've, I've felt like that. I've been in the midst of such a dark, deep valley. I didn't know where God was, and I felt the pain and the struggle, the anguish of faith, the weakness of my faith, wondering where God is. If you turn, go down to verse 5, it says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why, do you, why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Look, he continues, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I'll remember you. From the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep, these are places where he remembers God. These are places where he had experiences with God and he's remembering them. And he says, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And I say to the God of my rock, look at this, to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Did you know you can be that honest with God? When I say worship is a pouring out, I'm not saying you have to dance around and be silly. Although I will tell you that it helps. What I'm saying is you have to be willing to pour out everything. You have to be willing to talk to him about everything. God is not intimidated by your doubts. He's not afraid of what's going on inside of you. And when you include him, when you're willing to pour it out to him, when you're willing to say, God, I just don't know where you're at, guess what? He meets you there. He meets you there. Look at the end of the passage. He says, why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Here's the thing. The pouring out is an emptying of yourself. The apostle Paul talks about it. Jesus is our illustration. He gave himself. He poured himself out. Put up the Philippians verse there, Philippians 2. And I want you to see this passage. Jesus is pouring himself out and he's our, he's our example. He says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be 
grasp. In other words, he let go of it. He let go of, of his role as being God. Look, but he emptied himself. He emptied himself. He gave up everything. Taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, at the end of the day, worship is all about this. The Bible says that our sins are like scarlet, red. Though they are, they can become white as snow. But so much of our lives is centered on our mistakes and we think about them. And we sort of fill our lives, our hearts. Deep down in our hearts, we have this regret. We have this sadness. We have, we have sins, pet sins we like to hold on to. Things we like, things we like to, to keep and keep hidden. Some of us are just consumed by greed. Consumed by wondering if God will provide for our needs. Consumed with worry. Consumed with what, whether or not we have enough. And we got to keep getting more and more and more. You know, Jesus, the only thing God said... <laughs> Through Jesus, he said, you can't serve God and money. That's what he said in Matthew. He said, he said you can't serve God and money. He didn't say you can't serve God and family. You can't serve God and hobbies. He said, you can't serve God and money because money grips us like nothing else. Some of you are just broken, sad, depressed. Really, I mean, situations beyond your control have burdened you so deeply you just can't you can't you can't get away from it and it fills your heart with such sadness you don't know what to do and you're full you're full of yourself and it looks terrible it looks gunky gunky it's a word <laughs> it looks like gunk and it gets all over your heart did you know that the Bible, Jesus teaches, he says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. There's something that's supposed to pour out of you. Jesus wants you to receive his living water. But here's the problem. His purity, his ability to get way down deep, his ability to get down in the depths of your soul and clean it out, if you're not willing to pour it out, it can't get down there. So we go around, we give God a little bit. We just give him a little of our heart and we come and sing the song half-heartedly. We don't have real meetings with God. We're not really pouring ourselves out. We're just kind of, just a little bit. We just give him a little piece of our lives. You realize that our lives are so segmented in our culture. We just, <clears throat> everywhere we are, we just give everybody a little piece here and a little piece there. And finally, it's just, we apply it to God too. And we're just giving him a little place. And he can't get down here and clean it out. That's what, that's what coming to Christ is really about. It's really about confessing your total dependence on him. It's really about trusting him for everything instead of trusting yourself. 
instead of trusting yourself. He can't get down deep into your soul unless you're willing, and here's the secret, I think. Worship is a pouring out. Good, bad, ugly, terrible, awful, wonderful, pouring out. It's pouring everything out to him. It's being willing to take your whole life and just begin to pour it out to him and say, God, I need you. I can't, I can't make it without you. I am helpless on my own. It's impossible for me to do what you've called me to do. I can't do it. I need you desperately. God, just fill my life because I, I'm emptying myself of myself. I can't do this. I need you. That's what worship is. That's what the woman, hey, that's what the woman who, who um, got into the dinner, <laughs> she snuck her way in and found her way to Jesus. And when you're willing to empty yourself of yourself, then something happens. God begins to pour himself in. He begins to pour himself in so much, so overflowing that you can't stop it. You can't, I mean, you can, you, it's like, it's like, it's the only thing you can't get enough of and you just want it to overflow. He's the only one who can come in and start to make it clean. He starts to deal with all the gunk that you've poured out to him and he starts making it new. He starts transforming you. In a few moments, you're going to see how transformed this becomes. Right now, it's, it still looks like, oh, we got some residue. Hey, did you know that it's okay to have residue? Did you, did you know it's okay to walk a process out where you're continuing to pour yourself out to God and he's continuing to pour himself into you? Here's what I want to do. When we come to the table of the Lord, that's what we're going to do now, and I want, you to, I want you to come to the table of holy communion with this thought, that Jesus poured himself out for you, and now he just wants you to pour yourself out to him. Every fear, every mistake, every failure, every, every good thing, every agenda, every success. Communion, holy communion is about relationship with God. It's about surrendering yourself to God, and if you're willing to surrender yourself today, then you we want you to participate with us. Now first, I want us to confess our dependence on God. And I want us to say this prayer together. All right? So join with me. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Now, Father, I pray that you would be with every family, every single person, every group that gathers here under your name and I pray that we would pour ourselves out to you. That we would release every pain, every fear, every worry, every anxiety. That we would allow you to come to the table and feed us, to fill us because we're emptied out. And so we receive the nourishment 
that only you can provide, the provision that only you can give. I pray this. We receive it now in Jesus' name.